Hello and welcome to the first ever Call Yourself a Fan podcast. My name is Mike and I'll be talking to real football fans about their club. Football is not always trophies and glory. 99% of it is misery, frustration and of course some good laughs along the way. We'll cover embarrassing mascots, disgusting pies, all leading up to that dreaded worst 11 and a little bit of trivia in between. Founded in 1886 as Dial Square, a group of Woolwich munitions workers founded the club before moving to Highbury in 1913, creating one of the most famous English football derbies with Tottenham Hotspur. Their first major successes came under the leadership of Herbert Chapman, who not only won Arsenal's first national trophies, but was instrumental in introducing the WM formation, floodlights, shirt numbers and added white sleeves to the club's red kit. Their most successful era, however, was during Arsene Wenger's reign, winning a record seven FA Cups and going a whole season unbeaten in 03-04. Moving to the Emirates in 2006, the club have been on a steady decline, yet still remain as one of English football's powerhouses and are one of the best-supported clubs in the world. It is, of course, the Arsenal Football Club. Joining me today is a lifetime Arsenal supporter, a TV producer by trade and co-founder of Mad Sounds, which hosts indie music nights in London, recently starting its very own music podcast. It's the self-proclaimed one and only Matt Maynard. How are you, mate? <laughs> wow, what an intro. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled to be welcomed to a podcast with Matt. And I also forgot how good Arsenal used to be as well, so thanks for reminding me. Yeah, we can cover some of that uh, today, but we'll also cover the, a lot of the lows as well, I'd imagine. How, how are you keeping during lockdown anyway? And um, are you still getting a football fix during this pandemic crisis? Am I still getting my football fix? Uh, I think the short answer is probably no, because there's no live football, is there? And, and you can only watch so much of Gary Neville's soccer box and still be entertained. <laughs> Although that is actually quite a good show. So I do recommend that one. Um, but... Yeah, no, I'm missing football a lot, I think, as most people are. Um, good, but I can't good. get on board with, you know, I don't like all the hypotheticals. I'm not going to engage in all the big WhatsApp chats about when it should come back, whether it should come back, mm. whether it should, never, should be families. I just get a bit bored of all that. Yeah, it's pointless at the end of the day because it is kind of just speculation. I'd probably say in the last week it's only got to a point where it's looking like it will come back in July. Sure. That's the Premier League, but League One, League Two binned off and championship not sure yet so we'll, we'll see um and good to see the tuesday club arsenal podcast back as well which has been a, a good exactly, listen yeah. have you heard that i have and what, what i think i like about the tuesday club though as well is that it's a bit it's not just entirely football is it there's a bit of comedy Alan Davis is a fantastic mm. center. so it's it's entangled in football but it isn't completely football based and also they've not been doing it for about two years now so they've got mm. they've got a lot to catch up on I just kind of missed, I'm gutted that they missed the era of Unai Emery, really. Because Alan Davis absolutely ripping into him every week would have been gone. So let's talk about your supporting life um, with Arsenal anyway. So I suppose a simple question is to ask, why do you support the club? Well, Alan, I've been supporting Arsenal since 1886. Mm. Oh, can't get away from that little... Uh, yeah, to you're already, I'm gutted that you already uh, brought them up. Um, yeah, because I had already planned that gag, obviously. <laughs> so the <laughs> the real reason, I mean, like most people, it's it's your dad, isn't it? I think in a lot of cases. Mm. But I was, I grew up. I say grow up. There'll be people who listen to this podcast. Where did you grow up? You grew up. <laughs> I, I lived in East London in Bow until I was ten. So that was the age when I was starting to support football. But also because of my dad, who 
he's from Bermondsey, but he started going to Arsenal when he was about 10. And at that time, you'd go to Arsenal and Spurs one week, one, yeah. one, one week off. Um, and then obviously, you know, chose the better club. So prove that he's an Arsenal fan. I'm an Arsenal fan. My brother's an Arsenal fan. And yeah, we were, so living in Bow, we were probably about equidistant from Arsenal and West Ham. But yeah, we had the Arsenal genes already. So thought you were yeah, going to do that. One. Thought you were going to do that David Brent gag when you said the words equidistant there. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, well, keep, yeah, it, keep your um, eyes peeled for another. Uh, yeah, I know. I think Ricky Gervais will probably probably sue me after this podcast. Um, and, and what about your your dad's dad as well? Was he an Arsenal supporter? Like, where did your dad no, get it from? My, I knew you'd kind of bring this up. Smith. I feel like... I'm digging. <laughs> so my yeah, their family they're from Bermondsey, obviously, but they're on Millwall. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if my dad's dad was that into football. He died when my dad was quite young, to be fair. So, but yeah, my, um, that family, they're all soft from, soft from Millwall so, because they used to go to Millwall before they were 10. So when they were about six, seven, eight, that was when they were going to Millwall. And so because of that, I'm an, uh, I'm a definite Millwall sympathizer. Yeah. I've met your dad a couple of times. Um, one time we were out having dinner, uh, together. Oh no, not that time. The other time was, uh, when we were at the King stores. That was. Didn't, didn't even. Where did you go? Didn't even. I was literally like, what? <laughs> that was the intention. Jim and I. Um, well, I, I met Jim. I don't know. Maybe it was the second time, but we were in a pub called the King Stores in Liverpool Street right. watching the 2017 FA Cup final, which, of course, Arsenal um, won 2 1. Victorious over Chelsea, yeah, it was a great day, and um, there was just such a amazing father son moment, wasn't there? Because yeah, your dad, your dad was in the pub, I think, watching the game with your mum upstairs, right? And we yeah, were watching well, my mum made some family friends and stuff. So, mm. Yeah, yeah, but as a kind of onlooker, because I don't think you realised at the time, because it was obviously a pretty emotional um, time. But I think when everyone was celebrating the final whistle sort of Jim appears through a crowd just like looking around like an ostrich like or a meerkat like look trying to look through the crowd he's just going where's my son where's my son <laughs> and then then you embrace and it was just yeah it was a lovely father son moment yeah um, and quite funny as well I found it for some reason um yeah but, I think that actually in on a football sense as well was probably our best moment like since like probably the Invincibles, or maybe the maybe beating United in the 05 Cup Finals. But at that point, it wasn't new. We we were used to winning, so that wasn't a big deal. But mm. obviously, we'd won two FA Cups, but they were against absolute shit opposition in the final. So beating Chelsea in a Cup Final was, was very special. Mm. Yeah, I, it's, I might need to sort of reword my next question because I think the word likes maybe the wrong word. But do you like the club as much as you did maybe during the Invincibles days, for example, or maybe? You know, do you feel less familiar with the club? Because it yeah. seems like a club which has just gone through this incredible transformation, whether that be, you know, not as successful. The fan base seems to have expanded or slash changed. You know, and you look at Wenger obviously having such difficult periods um, as well. And then the social media kind of um, devils or gods, whatever you'd like yeah. to say as well, um, have a big say on Arsenal. So... Yeah, I suppose over to you, really, your thoughts. Yeah, this is definitely something I could talk about for a while, I think. Mm. I think the short answer is is actually no. I don't feel as it attached to the club as I once used to, but I think there's a lot of reasons for that. And the, When you're young, um, 
obviously football is everything and you hang your hopes on every result you watch every minute but as you mature you gain some perspective um so that's the simple answer on a personal point of view but obviously from a football point of view let's talk about arsenal in that time i'm old enough to remember highbury and remember the glory days of highbury and moving to the emirates was a dream being sold to the fans and i think from my generation of fans we we believed in that dream because we weren't if you if you think when you were young you look at the older people that are sort of rebelling against it like all the old people that said yeah, why are we going to the Emirates? Highbury's great, Highbury's great. You're like, come on, guys, you've got to modernise, you've got to get with the times, we've got to compete. And since that happened, we haven't competed. And we lost, we left our once great stadium. So I think that where, where before, and even like even a few up to a few years ago, I would have said, of course you had to move to the Emirates. It was it was the logical move. Actually, my view has completely softened now of those people that were so against it. And I kind of think that really, what was the point? Um, mm. Now, from a fan's perspective, in some ways, you know, being at the Emirates is a good thing. It's a better match day experience for certain fans, but not for the real football fans, is it? It's a soulless bowl. It is, it's a shit mm. place to go and watch football. Yeah. I don't really take that much enjoyment, especially in the last few years when we've been out. You, can't, you don't really enjoy games unless they're like big games against Spurs or something like that so mm. yeah I think in that side of things the, the actual stadium is I've fallen out of love with going to the game um, which I think will only really return if <laughs> it's sad to say if we start competing again mm. but then let's also talk about Twitter because I think social media has created an identity for Arsenal that I think a lot of our fans are really up in arms about and even I don't even think it's just our club either. It is the it is the big teams. It's not just Arsenal fan TV. If you just go on Twitter and most football threads, it just I think it's just youth. And I don't know if I'm just being a bit bitter because I'm getting older, but people are just obsessed with like worshiping players, and mm. they just have these really simplistic arguments, and they just idiots. Well, well, my view my view is that there's just more idiotic fans because I think that. You know, there seemed to be a lot more effort being a football fan, perhaps when we were growing up, because, you know, it was a case of sitting in front of Soccer Saturday or even before then, you know, Teletext, for example. Um, and then, you know, watching Match of the Day, for example. And not, not everyone had the patience to do that. You know, you had to be really into your football to, to kind of do those things. And I think with, you know, football highlights, even in the three o'clock kickoffs, there aren't many of them anymore, but you know, they're on YouTube at 5 p.m. Um, so I think the accessibility of football is, you know, as, as much as a, as a positive thing, that it, it is a curse as well. Yeah, ex yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, and then what do you think as well about Arsenal Fan TV as a, a non-Arsenal fan? Because I just think it's something that I would ignore and wouldn't want to talk about, but it obviously will always get brought up. You've gone into interviewer mode there. <laughs> the tables have turned. Um, yeah, well, it was kind of a positive thing, I think, when it all kind of started out. Um, but, I, but I think as it gained more and more popular, now there's these kind of like cult figures that are, are um, you know, on the Arsenal fan TV, for example. And, you know, Robbie... The, you know her, who obviously runs runs it I think was always out to make money on it as well like, I don't buy yeah. this thing that he really just saw it as giving the fans a voice um, 
think there's a small part of that. But I think when he realized how much money he could make, he just went for it. And it's easy for me to say that starting my own podcast, like, if I, you know, <laughs> if, if in the highly, highly unlikely, you know, amount that you know, I, I could make some money of it, obviously I would, but yeah, I suppose I've not really answered your question. I'm kind of thinking aloud about about it. But but yes. no, there's so all fa- all clubs have this kind of style of of social media. They they're in some sort of TV element on YouTube now, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it gets a bad rep, uh, and I think Robbie gets victimised a lot. Yeah, it's just all gone a bit too far. But I mm-hmm. think every club does have these just weird fans on Twitter who just. Oh, and it's so strange and what they what they say but i think the the That's good so content cool. yeah i mean the good content is still out there i mean for the third time we're going to make a reference to the tuesday club for example um you know and i'm i'm also on a millwall podcast which is you know a really you know, excellently edited show and like you know a lot of knowledge and you know uh, i think there's enough out there for the yeah for the kind of yeah regular more patient maybe more more detailed fan like ourselves um but there's a ton more of it for the kind of idiotic, I want things now. I just want to kind of headline information fan as well. I've just Go been on. completely negative. I mm. do want to actually just say that mm. I still have a positive relationship with Arsenal. I've just mm. reined it in a little bit and accepted what it is. And mm. I still love the club. I still love going to the games, not mm. as often, but I still go. Um, and I just appreciate I have just a bit more perspective on what it is and what it's about so mm. I take it for what it is and, and enjoy it in that way mm. but I think yeah Arsenal kind of it happened a bit at the wrong time though as well because if you think about you know sort of when Manchester City for example were kind of getting all that funding Chelsea had obviously already started to win the league and had been bankrolled by Roman Abramovich and it was kind of you know it was probably, apart from, say, Leicester City, maybe Manchester United to an extent, probably the last, like, honest league win, like, due to fair spending, huh. you know, true quality. I mean, I don't know if you agree with that, but I think that since, since then, you know, that's gone, hasn't it, really? Money's a funny one in football, though, isn't it? Like, Man United hit the big time. I know that they were a massive club, but they were so lucky that the, mo- the minute that they became successful... Premier League just blew up so their success was just elevated by that and then they became the basically the biggest club in the world maybe apart from like Real Madrid at the time so there's a lot of luck involved in the money side of things so mm. I don't know I mean City is a bit City is almost a, another level isn't it I think Chelsea mm. felt it you felt it was it was it was wrong at the time but they kind of just mellowed out didn't they Abramovich he stopped maybe given like such an advantage and he's just he doesn't even plow that much in anymore does he they, well, when he, they must pay yeah. for themselves yeah and, but, but cities they've I mean they've been proven to have been financially doping they got the best manager how much they can pay Guardiola mm. so much mm. yeah when they win I don't think I care that much you just think oh well mm. yeah point of Chelsea you know would you give a hundred million to Avram Grant for example um let's talk about sort of rivals then um so i wondered who your top three most hated clubs are i think obviously the number one choice is pretty obvious but i think it'd be quite interesting to maybe hear your your kind of two and three yeah i thought i wondered how you would Mm. build this up but yeah there's no point i mean just i mean i'll just quickly mention number one obviously being absolute scum 
as he said they their are. name. Shall I bleep? Do you want me to bleep the name? If yeah, you'd like to well, I, won't even, I won't say it, so you'll just bleep <laughs> it in air, but you can bleep it in air. If you I will. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then, I'll probably act, I'll slip up now and say their name later on in the podcast. You know? mm. um, two and three, I think, I don't know, you probably guessed them as well. I think two is easier, like United, I've always hated mm. United. We, we grew up in like the nor- 90s, noughties, and they were our rivals, obviously. Every every kid at school, I, when I'm talking about going to school in Bow and then in Maidstone in Kent, when I was in school from the age of 10, um, like primary school, and Arsenal, the best thing is Arsenal won in titles then, that was good. But yeah, there was like, mm. everyone was a fucking Man United fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, now they don't even like football, those kids. But they mm. did then, and that was annoying. But it was good to beat them. So yeah, mm. Man United, um, and then obviously Ferguson and everything that goes with that. All that scum. God, United. No one likes United. I yeah, they were they were too too difficult to like, weren't they? I I just couldn't not even a shred of me like them. Um, and, and this is an Arsenal sympathiser. I think I think there's been players now which I've I don't like them obviously now, but I think over the last few years maybe I dislike them less you know and I look maybe I'm just looking at some of the English talent they have for example someone like Rashford who is quite an exciting prospect but they were just they were just an awful side um you know and the yeah yeah he installed that culture yeah and so yeah I I picked them second and then third in my list is it's a tough one because I historically I've always hated Liverpool a lot um but I kind of don't mind them as much anymore. And I don't mind Clark, really? and I don't mind the team. Mm. And I've always hated the, the fan, well. The fans, though, the Liverpool fans. I mean, Yeah, that's the uh, reason, isn't it? Uh, I think I was grow- I sort of brought up on a sort of, not, mm. I wouldn't say hatred for Liverpool, but just not, but they were, you know. They were, no- they were nothing to worry about, yeah, were they? Yeah, they were nothing to really worry about, apart from Arsenal losing that FA Cup that time. But um, you're right. The 0-1 Cup final was the first, well, not the first cup final I saw. I remember 98, but 01 was the first time I cried at football. Michael Owen broke my heart that day. Um, but I don't think that that made me hate Liverpool, actually, that day specifically. Whereas Chelsea, Mourinho, and when he turned up, and maybe because I started to care a bit more as well and was a bit more aware, um, I really hated Chelsea. And obviously, again, Chelsea are quite a hateable club. It's not just Arsenal that hate Chelsea. You know, Chelsea commonly scum, mm. aren't they? Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I know one of your best mates is Chelsea fan and nothing personal, uh, yeah, Mr yeah, Bailey. Yeah, I, you disassociate, sometimes disassociate him with Chelsea and the rest yeah. of what they are. We, we can try. We can try. Let's talk about your, your actual matches themselves then. Um, I imagine there's been a few bad games you've been to over the years, but any kind of you know, really like jaw-droppingly annoying experiences you've had at a match or any kind of amusing moments, um, perhaps away yeah. and at home, perhaps? Um, I, was at the, I was at the Foral, the Spurs, which oh, is boy, yeah. always, at the moment, is replayed on Sky every fucking day. <laughs> Literally, they do like Premier League's best games, and there it is. Um, that game is so annoying because obviously we're four two up with mm. about ten minutes left. Jermaine Genius of all people runs mm. from the halfway line, but pass about three players, puts one in, 
And it had been a great game up to that point. And then, you know, this is the Arsenal of that era where you just started to think, no, surely not. But not against them either, because Spurs still not properly out of that era that was where they knew. That was Redknapp. Redknapp, though, that was, wasn't it? Spurs game. Yeah. Might have even been, like, in the stands or something, I think. It was like oh, right. he'd just taken over. He might mm. have been on the top, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I think, like, he was in the stands. Um and the bloke in front of me starts just trying to rip his seat out. And at the end, it's, you ain't going to be ripping, <laughs> like, they're very, ripping out they're a very, padded seat. I mean, even if yeah. you threw that at someone, it's not going to hurt, is it? A padded seat. Like, oh, that, <laughs> but he started booting it as well. And I remember, like, obviously, I was, um, so I was about 16 or 17, probably. And um, I was, we used to sit in the family enclosure because it was like a 20 quid ticket. You go to Arsenal's first, or maybe even less. But that was great. Mm. But yeah, there was like a mum and dad in front of him, and he was just booting this poor mum. <laughs> the dad like turned around, what are you doing? I mean, he wasn't that bad, but he's you know, can you stop that? And um, so yeah, I remember that one. I remember, I really vividly remember just sitting at the bus stop on to get um, on the way home, and like some guy in an Arsenal scarf just like yeah, sorry mate, and he's just just misery, pure misery, mm. one mm. of the worst experiences. Um, funny stories. Um, I tell you what, I don't know if you've ever had an anxiety dream before of like missing something or not making it to something. So I basically, there was Arsenal Chelsea in around Christmas time, I think it was, uh, about three or four years ago, maybe a bit longer. And um, it was really bad weather and we were going from Maidstone um and we the train basically all the trains started getting cancelled as we were on them and we were like diverted going to new stop um trying to find a new route and Mm. we ended up basically nowhere closer to london than when we started and had to watch the game in a bookies (laughs) in in like i don't remember where we were somewhere near seven oaks or something and it was like we'd started like three or four hours before and it was just like the worst anxiety dream where you just were like trying to make it, trying to make it. Mm. And we just missed the game. Um, in the end, it was nil-nil. Oh, right. <laughs> did the bookies, did you, were you, did you, I assume you had to have a bet on the game or? Uh, yeah, you can't sure just sat there. Yeah, you can't have just sat there. Yeah, 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 we had a bet. But I think we watched the second half in a pub, but it was like on really small screen and maybe no sound or something. Mm. Uh, in like, like I say, it was seven oaks, so it was quite a nice pub. But, um, yeah. Yes, nice. and then had to like get picked up and taken home. Um, another one more funny story actually, which is not Arsenal. Does that count? Because it is you, a funny yeah, story. Far away. That's good stuff. <laughs> Me, I was in Barcelona with um, some friends, my mate Jesse, Charlie, and Pierre. Um, so this was when I was. This was 2013. So I was on my year abroad, and we lived in Toulouse, and we went. We took the coach down to Barcelona. So Barcelona in the new camp. Messi scored four. What more could you want? Mm. Anyway, mid-game, um, we are, you know, but Barca, I think, must have just nearly scored. Or, or, no, I think it was one of the goals, actually. I met Messi scored a goal, and uh, we've all jumped up. And Jesse has a full pint. Well, I guess it wasn't a full pint, because in Spain, they don't give you full pints, do they? They give you, like, three quarters of whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as we've gone up, he's dropped this over the guy in front, who sat down, who's an old Catalonian with headphones on, because in, in the stadium there, they wear um, the headphones and listen to the commentary. Yeah, yeah. Have it on the radio. 
which I find quite strange because surely they're like must be a bit behind. But anyway, mm. uh, it goes all over him. We're like, oh shit, this local. <laughs> we're like four tourists. We're all kid out in the the orange, you know, the bright orange Barcelona strip. The UNICEF one. Yeah. Is that, uh, yeah. Uh, was it? U- I don't. Yeah, it might have been UNICEF. Yeah, then, yeah. You know, the one that changes from orange to like yellow. It's like, it looks like. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm with you. Yeah. We all got a different name on the back as well. Um, we also we looked out there looking like literally bottles of Fanta, but- and he dropped the beer all over his head, mm. and we're like, Fuck, "What's he gonna do?" And then Jesse reaches into his pocket, um, pulls out a receipt, and starts dabbing the man on the top of the head <laughs> to clean it off. So and they- the guys just like, "Oh, what did he do?" He's, yeah, he was livid. I think he he, he did move. Did his yeah, radio did his radio still, still work, or was he just like, puta <laughs> <laughs> <like>, madre? <laughs> That's fantastic. So, yeah, which is funny because I did a similar thing in Madison Square Garden last year as well with a hot dog. Mm. But yeah. um, that's for another. That's for the NFL, uh, the NBA podcast you do. Oh yeah, I yeah, I don't think that that will never exist. That, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I was uh, yeah, that that's quite a funny story because I was thinking, surely, I mean, do they carry the white handkerchiefs at um, Barcelona? Because the guy could have surely done a whip yeah. round, whip round for white handkerchiefs, had a little dab down, continued to watch the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they. It was quite a successful era, like I say, Messi. Got yeah, probably not needed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I know you've um, travelled a couple of times to see Arsenal play in Europe, Montpellier. In a few ways. Um, yeah, I mean, just in terms of no other ways, I, the worst experience was probably, um, yeah, Burnley, uh, because we did coach and then it was like roadworks and it took about 12 hours. I was with my mate, right. we were on the coach mm. for about 12 hours to just go and watch. At least Arsenal won. I've got quite a good record of Arsenal. Surprising, mm. but I've seen us. Yeah, I mean, I remember Liverpool won, like, they scored last minute, and that's shit. When the cock goes up at the other end, and they all go up around you, that's when you're like, this is why Liverpool should be in my top three for eight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, but no, funny story, actually, um, European away. So, again, like I said, I was living in Toulouse, so it was easy, obvious choice. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was, I remember, well, it was when the draw got made, and I was, like, praying for Montpellier to be a nice Champions League group. And when it happened, I was like, yes. So also a few of my good mates, quite a few of them as well, live in Montpellier, Montpellier that year as part of their year abroad. So as you know, you mates of mm. yours. Yeah, um, yeah. We went to, so me and my mate Charlie, who were in Toulouse, took the train, stayed with them, had a great time. But like, yeah, some of the people on that trip are, are hilarious, were hilarious. Me and Charlie called some of them, Care in the community. That was our name for uh, <laughs> some, some of the Arsenal fans. Which what, um, what, what do yeah, you mean? What? Why though? What? 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 What features? <laughs> what features did they have? Just so. so was it just so? Like, what are you doing there? Like what? Right, weird sorts is all I'll say. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, one thing that kind of illustrates it quite bodily is um, they. I mean, we were hanging around with a lot of these people. I'm not saying that everyone that goes Arsenal away is certainly like this. I'm not being um, snobbish at all. Of course mm. not. I go to Arsenal away like a, a bit. Um, but on this trip, we sort of, funnily enough, just were hanging around with some right sorts. And um, they went to get, they wanted to put 
bubble bath in the fountain and make loads of bubbles, mm. like in the mid in the town centre. So they yeah. they like, hitched this plan, went into this probably quite nice car for the French supermarket. Yeah, bought what they thought was the product. We were all getting excited, threw it in the fountain. Nothing happened. Mm. Someone went and picked it up, poured it all in. It's all in there. It's gonna go. <laughs> Nothing happened. Right. What's, what's, what's going on? Why is it not going? It's bubble bath. That's, that's what he does. Mm. Bought fairy liquid, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> can't read French. So, why? That was his excuse. <laughs> yeah, good reason. Oh, God's oh. sake. Oh, that's good. Well, at least, yeah, yeah, that's not, you weren't being loutest English fans. I mean, you were just being oh, stu- yeah. well, stupid English fans. Yeah, and they well, failed. I think Arsenal's just always going to be a weaker member of that kind of group, isn't it? Yeah. Like, we are a soft club as well, aren't we? Like, if we came to a fight, Arsenal would be. And how can I forget Valencia, which was actually last summer when, you know, we won, uh, I think it was 4 2 out there and it, we, we were 3 1 up. So, in terms of football, I think there was only about 10 minutes in the game where after they'd gone ahead where we were slightly concerned, but as soon as Aubameyang scored and then Lacazette, it was quite comfortable. But yeah, what an amazing trip that was. Um, I don't think there's any real mental stories. I went with our man, we went to Barcelona first and then down to Rent, got the coach through the beautiful um, Andalusian countryside. I don't know if, no, if that's even right. Um, 30 degrees on the, on the beach bars, you know, just the the whole city packed out with Arsenal fans. I remember a t- crazy taxi driver also giving us the lowdown on Unai Emery and showing us where his house used to be and things like that. So, yeah, no, really a really nice trip actually. Um, Valencia. I remember after we came out the the ground, obviously we just won and Chelsea had gone to extra time and it was like the shame of it was when we were all watching the 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 Chelsea game. Uh, I think it went to penalties, right? And Chelsea won. And yeah, everyone was just... I mean, at that moment, we were kind of still so high from our win that we didn't quite realise that, that that them not winning... We thought that if they'd, uh, that they'd won, we could still beat them in the final. But yeah, they had Eden Hazard, didn't they? So um, yeah, that shootout ended up being pretty important. So yeah. Should we move on to a little bit of trivia? Oh, here we go. Insert so, quiz music here. So I'll I'll explain the general rules of this. So so I'm I'm gonna I've I've prepared twenty questions. Um there's two topics and you need to choose one of these two topics. And the idea yeah. is it's a quick fire quiz. So you've got to answer yeah. as quickly as possible. I will time you out if you're taking too long. Okay. So you might be better off to pass, or if you don't know, I don't okay. know. Just think of your tactics here. Um, yeah. And then obviously as this series continues, I'll kind of make a little leaderboard in relation to how many people got right, uh, maybe how quick they were as well. So um, it's all to play I for. My questions aren't harder because they're Arsenal-based, though, because obviously, you know, it's quite out there. Everyone knows about Arsenal. Whereas when you're, you know, if you're interviewing the Colchester fan, you're, you're going to have fun mm. writing those questions. So um, Wikipedia.org, my friend. There's a lot <laughs> well, you can find online. Too, you know. Yeah, exactly. So your two topics, so you need to choose from one of the two. The first is Arsene Charles Ernest Wenger. <laughs> and the second is the Invincibles, 49 games unbeaten run. Oh, I'll, I'm, yeah, I'll go Invincibles. Invincibles, all right. I'll go fine. Invincibles. Can I remember specific as well yeah. as I think I could? This, I don't know, but we'll go with that. We'll see then. Right. 
Let's go then. Question one. Arsenal began their 49 unbeaten run with a 6-1 win over who? Southampton. Correct. The run ended with a 2-0 loss to who? Man United. Correct. Which, which team's top division unbeaten record did Arsenal topple? Forest. That was Preston. That was oh, sort of 19... Oh, I thought you meant the... Yeah, anyway. Uh, unbeaten run. Um, Thierry Henry scored how many league goals during the unbeaten season? Uh, 27. 30. O- only one player played every minute of every game in that season. Who was it? Uh, Jens Lehmann. Correct. It's quite a tricky one. Two players only featured in one game that season. Who were they? Two players? It's quite hard to do a quick Fabregas? No, he didn't feature. Joe Clichy? No, that was David, David Bentley and Justin Hoyt. That's mm. <laughs> hard, that. Henri top scored um, with 30 goals, as we, we previously talked about. Um, who finished second in the league scoring charts? Uh, Van Nistelrooy? No, no, I mean for Arsenal. Oh. So the Invincibles, <laughs> you idiot. Oh, um, <laughs> Perez. Correct, yeah, 14 goals. Um, I might have just sack off that time idea, but what was quite interesting about that, looking at the stats for this, was that it was so top-heavy. Like, it was it was Omri with 30, Pires with 14, and then no one else really scored yeah. anything. It was, it was quite it was different, strange. isn't it? Yeah, looking back, like, it was the goals were not shared across the team at all. Um, we'll move on to the next one. Who defeated Arsenal in the quarterfinals of the Champions League? In 03, in the unbeaten Chelsea. season. Yep, correct. Who came off the bench in the final game of the season so he could pick up a Premier League winner's medal? Uh, not Stuart Taylor. No, uh, yeah, no. No, that, no, that, no that, I remember that because that was... That was, that, was a, that was 02. Yeah. Uh, there's, only, there's only one. Martin Keogh. Martin Keown. Keown, yeah. Oh, Keown. Yeah. Um, Did he come off the bench for a medal? He yeah, he came on 87th minute, he came on. He played at Old Trafford. Oh, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, again, get that out. What was the it's longest... I watched Arsenal Old Trafford the other day. Um, yeah. Carry on. What was the longest winning streak Arsenal went on during the, inv- the whole Invincible era? Bit of a guess. What? What do you mean, 49? Winning streak, sorry. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 12. That was um, only nine. They did oh. draw quite a lot of games. Anyway, so you scored um, six or seven. I mean... <laughs> six or seven? <laughs> I mean, this might just be one of like those quizzes which is just like... It's just a, not a serious quiz, is it? Um well, yeah. I thought it was time, so I was rushing my answer. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll do the Arsene Wenger one with you another time. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we don't have all night, as they say. Right, let's move on to perhaps the showcase of this podcast, which I hope maybe come, is your worst 11. So I've asked Matt to prepare uh, 11 players in advance of this podcast who have played during his time supporting the club. And you've gone for a 4-3-3 uh, 
um, formation. Yeah. So let's talk about your goalkeeper. Who have you chosen there? Right. So um, first of all, I chose a 4-3-3 because it was quite, I thought midfielders, it was quite midfield-like. Um, so obviously having four midfielders would have been difficult. But the goalkeeping, um, like I want to, the way I want to do this is just give you some honourable mentions first, so we can build mm. up to uh, the, the highlight. So um, I'll mention Lucas Fabianski was was one. Like, he was pretty shy, wasn't he? He was mm. flappy handsky, mm. and I remember yeah. we obviously he was playing when we were sort of mates at uni together. So yeah, we remember a lot of him. He had one. I remember he had one real bad rick at West Brom, which uh, sticks in the memory. But just he also came after a line of shit goalkeepers as well, didn't he? So uh, he kind of blends into that just low, mm. like Arsenal's array of shite goalkeepers. Uh, Richard Wright also deserves an honourable mention because he only lasted a season, uh, even though we won the league. And he, you must be shit if Wenger gives up on you that easily. Because mm. you think of all the dross that we kept years later. And Wenger just went, no, see you later. And then signed Rami Sharban, who I've not really mentioned because <laughs> some, I think, I think I should actually. He he was terrible, but he didn't really play. So I think that when you know you know you work, name your worst eleven, you you need players that have also played a bit and yeah. They were. Um, but the actual goalkeeper has to be Manuel. Manuel, I don't know what that is. Went in pink. Manuel Amunia. Manuel yeah. Amunia, the Spanish waiter. I mean, there's so um, many memorable hun- moments. Yeah, 109 league appearances as well between 2004, 2012. Yeah. Um, or that's is it, part of the you, reason, isn't it? You because don't... He, yeah. yeah, so... Well, that's it. I mean, that kind of goes to your point that you, you maybe you don't expect someone to have played that much to even be in a worst 11. So it's quite interesting. But, the, yeah, exactly. But the reasons are... Um, the Ronaldo free kick, for fuck's sake... We were talking about the Tuesday club. He referenced this the other day. He was on fucking Avenal Road, wasn't he, Ronaldo? And that, really? <laughs> that was... That was like, and then David Bentley as well. Mm. David oh, Bentley yeah, also yeah. somewhere in like Highbury. And he wish he'd done that at Highbury, though, didn't he, old Bentley? Mm. He, he's um, lobbed Almunia in that 4 all. That was in the... Yeah, yeah. Because that was the game when he uh, Bentley poured over that ice bucket over Redknapp. Oh, it, well, yeah. No, no, so it no, was Redknapp. Was... I'm sure it was. Yeah, when he no, scored that screen. Bucket, the ice bucket was when they won, they got Champions League qualification um, at City. So yeah. when was he a wheeler dealer? Yeah. With Almunia, that thing about um, that he could have been qualified for England. I mean, how desperate <laughs> yeah, we, would we, we have been? <laughs> people were like, yeah, we won him. What? Are you mad? <laughs> he's I mean, so he's probably better than Joe Hart, let's be honest. Mm. Everyone's better than Joe Hart. Not that he's our goalie anymore, but, you know, mm. at the time. All right, let's move on to your right back. Um, so, mentions, one last season, um, Lichsteiner. I don't know where the fuck they decided to bring him in. Like, I mean, he was he would be starting for, like, Juve the year before. But, he could, wow, but, uh, he you don't need to be able to, You don't need to be able to move in the Italian league, though. <laughs> no, he, he, certainly he could not move. Mm. He could not move. Um, Carl Jenkinson... A lot of people like quite like him. I mean, I don't mind them. I'm sure he's like he's a good fan and stuff. But then, is he's a Forest now? Is he even play? Is he injured still? He, like in there was there. I think there was like a non-league scout that said that they or that said that he wouldn't have signed him 
in the conference. I mean, he's probably just trying to have a shot, but Carl Jenkinson, I think one day we'll look back and think, how the fuck did he play for Arsenal? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Nelson Vivas. Um, basically, only because, I mean, he was shit, but he won United the treble. Um, in 99, 98-99, people don't quite realise how close Arsenal came to winning a second double in a row. Because obviously we had the Giggsy goal um, in the semi-final. But Burkham had missed a penalty in the last yeah. minute in the FA Cup. And in the league, on the penultimate game of the season, if Arsenal went to Ellen Road and won, the title would have been in their hands on the last day. But we lost to Ellen Road because Nelson Vivas left Hasselbank unmarked at the back post. And he mm. scored. So... That Nelson Vivas has cost Arsenal. The, ten- the tensions get who's who's it going to be, Maynard? And then the, the <laughs> choice is um, Oleg Lushny, who basically mm. was a banter era player before his time. We talk about like Arsenal fans, um, the, the better lot on Twitter talk about the banter era, and it is quite funny. But he couldn't even displace a 37 year old Lee Dixon. So. <laughs> again, again, seventy-five appearances. Um, really? Oh yeah, League appearance. <laughs> when I read that, I was like, Jesus! Like ninety-nine to eighty-three. Yeah. Could you imagine if Arsenal Twitter existed back then, and like mm. players like Lucy? What we think now about um, the, the shit some players get, like Granite Xhaka, who's like quite competent. I would mm. at least argue he might not be great, but he's competent. Oreg Luzhny mm. was clearly shite and absolutely terrible. Um, and he was part, but he was part of a, like, well, I say successful team. At least they were well, coming second. Well, Laurent came in in the end anyway, which meant that Luzhny never obviously became the full Laurent, right back. Yeah, I, I guess think. he came in like yeah. one, yeah. And I'd like to give this little quip as well. Is um, Today, he is part of the coaching staff at Dynamo Kiev. Uh, he's been <laughs> doing that for quite a long time. If you ever want to, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right, let's um, move on to, do you want to talk about your centaurs collectively then if you're doing this kind of like this build up? Yeah, I'll do. uh, So the mentions, honorable mentions, um, Sebastian Scalacci. um, Wenger just had this thing, didn't he, for signing. He just thought that he was going to unpluck, or sorry, unpluck, he was going to pluck some gem from the French league and turn them into, mm. like, Maldini or something. Like, what was he thinking? And he did the mm-hmm. same with Seagull. Yeah. But, um, they're kind of a similar... I think by the time that Scalacci came in, we'd cottoned on. He'd like... Wenger would like to think that he could find, find these French gems and centre back, and it was never going to work. So everyone already knew that he was... And he was. And then mm. also Seagull as well. Seagull, because um, he was bought as a long-term replacement for Adams and Keown, which, think about that, like... <laughs> The other mention as well, I would say uh, Mustafi, but he would have been in my team until probably this little turnaround he's had under Mikel Arteta. He's obviously mm. not as bad. Like, what he was doing for Arsenal before that was shocking. Like, he, he had no confidence. Every time he played, he had made, he mm. made mm. some terrible errors. So, yeah, but then that builds up. Here we go. The, 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 the two that make the team... Um, Igor Stepanos, <laughs> who we signed from Skonto Riga. That's mm. who we signed a centre back for Arsenal from. And obviously, yeah. Yeah, I've got a little um, quip about him, funny enough. So, I, although I'm a Millwall spot, I was brought up in, around Bristol. 
and at the time I was in school, yeah, at, at the time I was in school, um, Gary Johnson was the Bristol City manager. Um, so this would have been in something like 2008. He came to talk at some sort of school event, and I can't remember what it was. Now, Gary was the manager of Latvia between 1999 and 2001, and he told this big like story about like you know how he was like trying to spot future talent um he was he, you know he'd had some like incredible latvian players and he even recommended one to arsene wenger and they're thinking who the fuck's that then and then he just proudly announced it was igor stefanos <laughs> i felt like standing up and going what <laughs> what <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was like, he Are now manages, exactly, he now manages Talky United, Gary, but that's another story, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's very funny, um, and a quick one on Stefanovs, he's, he's um, currently the manager of Latvia under-17s team, so clearly football in Latvia is, is not improved. <laughs> Good luck, mate, um, <laughs> and obviously he was, he was very central to the famous mm. 6-1, I remember, so funny story about that 6-1, I was young when was it 2001 so I must have been about nine yeah I would have been nine and I remember yeah because I was in uh, the very room that I'm in now recording this podcast and I came home and like it was because I was so young I think the game was on Sky and we didn't have Sky yet it, we didn't get it till maybe it was about 10 or 11 and so we didn't watch it but we were in shopping like, as you do with your parents of that age and we got in the car and turned the radio on and it said like United six, Arsenal one, and it was one of those things. It just sort of went through your head, like what? And and, and some, I was like, Dad, what, what was that? He's like, I don't know. I think you just said the score was six one. I was like, No, they must. They must have, mm-hmm. they must, I think they're talking about like shots on target. I think, and we were just literally like, Yeah, they can't. <laughs> and then like we were waiting, like, I wonder what the score is. Then we finally got home and like put teletext on, and uh, it was six one. I couldn't believe it. And mm-hmm. that was all Eagles Stephanosis for. And mm-hmm. so that's why yeah. in the team. Yeah. And um, the other the other centre back is Mikael Silvestra, um, <laughs> agent Mikael Silvestra. <laughs> you know, he he obviously was an okay left back for United. Did a bit of did a job at centre back, um, but and also since when did players get worse when they move in the central role? When they start a left back and they move in, they normally like do a job and they're not so horribly exposed. Um, I think with this one, you can either take two schools of thought. You can say that uh, Ferguson knew what he was doing and that he thought like giving Arsenal a dud was going to derail them. And that's what it was a clever master plan. But actually, mm. I just think that Fergie by this point didn't care about Arsenal. He didn't have the same rivalry. So he probably just thought, oh, well, I'll just give him a player. He'll help him out. Like, But he wouldn't have known in a million years. I don't think even he how bad Mikel Silvestre was. He mm. was shit. And he um, scored in that 4 all, which seems to be mm. central to tonight's episode. But yeah, right in front of me, that was it's, it's you mentioning that, not me, by the way. Um, <laughs> I better be careful what I say about Silvestre because I've weirdly connected with him on LinkedIn. <laughs> I don't know why. What? Yeah, yeah, just one of my many football contacts. Weirdly, you um, just drop that in there. Um, but, um, do a football job. Sylvester, he went on to be the director of football at Wren, um, and he now runs his own sports management business. Um, if, if he did seem quite bright. I'll give him that. Just very, very, very big head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the better for heading with you'd have thought, but mm. not, not, not from his own box. 
Clear it. Uh, right, shall we move on to your left back? Yeah. Um, mentions. Uh, funny, I'm just saying clear in that voice because I just remember Alan Davis on the Tuesday Club after Sunderland won all. Arsenal had scored through Cesc Fabregas getting the ball booted at his shin and it going in. Um, and then in the 90th minute, Darren Bent at the back post because of Clashy. Fucking mm. Oh, yeah. Clichy had that in him. And, like, mm. this is the thing. A lot of people are going to be like, how can you put Gail Clichy in your mentions for the worst 11? But there was just moments like that, too, too many. And I know he was, like, at one point, lauded as, we were like, this is what Arsenal fans thought. And, like, I'm obviously a, a kid at the time and part of it as well. Don't worry about Ashley Cole going to Chelsea. Because we've got Gail Clichy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Imagine that we thought that. Um, so, yeah, he didn't live up to that. He obviously is a, okay. He went to City, didn't he? He was competent. But he was mm. he's a, he's a more, he is a modern fullback. You know, that means he can go forward and can't defend. And uh, Armand Traore is my other mention. He's, oh, he's a bad vein. He was shy. Again, with some players, the reason that they kind of get elevated to shit state is, is, is because they play more than they should. And I think Armand Troy was one of those that was playing mm. in Arsenal like League Cup games and FA Cup games. Mm. And I just have bad memories of him. But the, the number one, I don't think anyone will be surprised to hear, is um, Andres Santos. Mm. He famously signed was signed in that you know transfer window where we just went slapdash and bought it, like, this was after the um, eight two, so we bought like I think it was Arteta and Mertesacker. I think yeah, we bought like four players, didn't we? And he was one of those. And then, funnily enough, back at Old Trafford, it was the next season where Van Persie had obviously left and gone to United, and Andre Santos at half time mm. uh, asked Van Persie to swap shirts. Like, I know you just that, don't do that. You just don't do that, do you? And on top of that, he was absolutely shite. But he did score at Sanford Bridge, which I did enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Twenty-four caps for Brazil somehow. Um, Brazil is crazy. And I, I, when I was looking up on him uh, again to remind myself of, of him in a bit more detail earlier, he, I think it was last year, did an, um, an interview with the Mirror for some reason, or it might be. Yeah, he goes. He goes. Yeah, he moaned. He moaned. He moaned about Arsenal having no ambition to win. Um, that's because you were in the side, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. win trophies. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah well, we signed you. So exactly, yeah, you're of course, right. Of course, they were going to be a you know fifth or fourth place finish with with you at left back, Andre. But let's um, let's move into midfield. So if you want to talk through your midfield three, obviously the honourable mentions, and then I'll give, yeah, three. my honourable. One of them is an important honourable mention. I'll come on to that in a sec. Uh, firstly, Denis Suarez. What the hell was the point of him? Although he, I saw something online today or yesterday where he was slagging off Emery and saying that he liked Arsenal. So fair play to him. Um, mm. He can he can come again. No, he he didn't. He was just injured, wasn't he? Poor kid. Mm. Um, Amari Bischoff. Talking of injuries, he never played, but he was at the club for quite a while. So and he was always touted to be like very good. And I think he played like a couple of times and wasn't, but it was just a weird case of injured like the whole time, um, even though there was a lot of hype. The one that people often 
like to slag off again because he played quite a lot of games was Denilson. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people think that he just represented like the mediocrity of that era, especially of the transition to the Emirates. But I was so I thought I'd look at some stats. Like I don't think he's great, but I don't think mm. he's terrible. In the 08-09 season, he played 37 games. You can't be that bad if you play mm. that many league games. That was in the Premier League, and in that season, he made nearly, uh, he made the won... most passes. Was that when they nearly won the league? Was that 08? no? It oh, was, right. we, we, that was um, the, the year before, two years before. Ah, right. When, yeah, it was the year before, wasn't it? it was, um, Out of yeah, like right. Wado broke his leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Um, this was so in 08 09, I think this is where Liverpool nearly won the league, but United won it in the end. And yeah, he was the most passes in the league. Um, and second place, and so he passed the ball 2,535 times. And um, yeah, like Jabby Alonso was second, so that gives you an idea of, of the caliber of midfielder that was around. So look, I'm not saying Denilson was good, <laughs> he obviously wasn't good enough, but. People putting him in their worst eleven is madness. Mm. It? And there's worse players. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'll talk about the three. Um, first one is Alberto Mendes, not one that people remember that well, um, and uh, probably wouldn't have gotten near my side hadn't it been for the fact that he was actually at the club for five years, mm. which is quite a long time, and he only made eleven appearances. You know, if he if he'd done that in two years, maybe it wouldn't be as prominent, but they brought him from non-league as well, which is bizarre. In, in Germany, I, I'd never heard of him. Um, right. I, I literally, so I had to look up. So he was signed in 1997, which uh, unfortunately for him, signed alongside yeah. Anelka, Petit and Overmars. Um, so there well, had yeah, to be he, one. he is the black sheep. Yeah, the one. But I mean, I just find it baffling, especially in that era. It's like, how did they ever even heard of him? He was signed from a German non-league side, FC Freit. Um, and because um, Wenger's from like Strasbourg, is I don't know why I've just started, it's in Strasbourg, which <laughs> in France, which Not is cross, but it's, it's, it, yeah, but it's it's Germanic, it's Alsace, mm. isn't it? It's um, yeah, it's cross. <laughs> it's good and then he well. <laughs> got a mate, and maybe Alberto Mendes is like a, his dad's or his his uncle's friend or something, mm. like his son, and he was doing mm. a deal. I don't know. I can't provide an update on where he is now because he was uh, since 2013. I think he also managed a German non-league side, but not uh, <laughs> worst B side ever. Mm, yeah, not not um, yeah, not not been anywhere since. Slash Wikipedia not kept up to date with what he's up to. No, well, shame that, mate. Shame that. I mean, I'm, I'm, we must remember that you did text me earlier and say you've only got ten players. Um, you've forgotten to include a third midfielder. And yeah. then that was where I plucked Alberto Mendes out of my arsehole. I mean, that probably, um, I would say, out of your two others, I would probably say, I mean, it sounds like he would maybe be the worst. Um, but anyway, I'll leave that for yeah, you to decide. Yeah, well, so then the next two. Um, one is Emmanuel Fringpong. I think mm. that he obviously played a little bit in a short space of time, didn't he? He played, like, I think it was... 10-11 season I haven't actually written this down um, I remember he got sent off at home to Liverpool and we lost on the opening day was it the opening day or second game of the season I think it was and Suarez scored um, 
And yeah, so he was at fault there. He was just he was just shit. He played in I think he played in the eight two. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, just a lot of hype around him, wasn't there? And you see where his career went after that. Like, I think I'm didn't sure he have that. didn't he have quite a bad injury? And then I don't think he really ever recovered from it. Um, yeah, and then possibly. he yeah he obviously he played the probably the only highlight of his Arsenal was when he nearly chinned Sami Nasri in that League Cup game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, he was a really highly regarded youth player as well. I think you all thought he was going to be big. Mm. And he certainly had the hunger and drive for it. I think it's hard in this because my midfield, the midfield was actually probably the strong. Well, not there's just not so many centre midfielders that played for Arsenal were that terrible. Because to play centre midfield, you've got to be fairly well regarded, right? Mm. So it's maybe he's probably not as bad as some of the other players in this team. And anyway, he just just a quick frimmy update on what the what the lads up to now. Re- retired at the age of 28 due to injury. Yeah. Last playing with Ermis in Cyprus. Um, right. So, yeah, it didn't, didn't go well. He went to Wolves, and, didn't he? Did he play for Wolves a little bit? Yeah, I think Wolves, Barnsley and Charlton, I think he went to as well. Right. And is, is he related to like Lethal Bizzle or someone? No. Is he there's, related to him? He certainly means some, Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that they, some, they, they did loads something. of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on, moving on to your final central midfielder. Um, this is someone that we signed in 2001, Yunichi Inamoto. Um, he only made four appearances in and none in the league, and he was very hyped up, wasn't he? He yeah. was um, considered to be one of Japan's new rising stars, probably like the new Nakata, that kind of level, technical footballer, and just absolutely bombed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard it's it's hard to put somebody in that only played four times, but again, it's the hype and the money and stuff. I think you know at the time there was a reasonable fee for him. So um, yeah, he sc- he scored two goals at the 2002 World Cup, um, which yeah. I think which meant I think kind of put put his name on the map to to, to clubs in Europe. And obviously, he went on to play quite a lot of games for Fulham um, the following season and did okay. And then he also yeah. I forgot this, but played for West Brom. Um, was really? signed by um, yeah, signed by Gary Megson, which just seems like a bit of a fall from grace from being signed by Arsenal Wenger yeah, I mean, for Arsenal. He was obviously better than he ever was for Arsenal because yeah, you know, he, he managed to play in the Premier League. Mm. Um, and uh, he yeah. he is forty years old and still playing um, in Japan yeah. for um, SC Sagamahara. No, I, I don't know. I, I assume that was in I Japan. Yeah, I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we'll move on to your front three, I suppose. So should we start with maybe your right winger? Um, yeah. Any mentions? Um, mentions for the front three then. Um, yeah, let's do all the mentions. Yaya Sanogo. He yeah. somehow started um, a Champions League knockout tie against Bayern Munich. How the mm. fuck did that happen? Well, I went down that game and you just see the team sheet come through and I could not believe it. We was, and That's why we got... I think that was one where they turned us over um, about fucking 9-1 on aggregate or 10-1 on aggregate. Mm. Um, and then also saving grace for him was that in the FA Cup final when we beat Hull, we came on and changed the game. It was very good. 
So one reason not to be in the team. Another mention, I would say, Maron Shamak. Um, mm. I did some digging on him. He scored 11 goals in his first 22 appearances, which is actually not bad. But then he scored four in his next 46. Um, it's funny because I think, obviously, we've got some Palace mates, one of them who you're going to have on this podcast. Um, mm. They think that he was quite good for them. Mm. And he, like, he, he wasn't just a big lad up top either. He was quite technical and uh, was a good number 10 rather than number nine. Um, I think it's obviously. it's different it's different expectations though isn't it I think that's yeah, the yeah. thing you know he and I I saw him play for Arsenal I don't know if you were there it might have been when you were on your year abroad but I went to that Reading 5 Arsenal 7 game um, so which, I came back for that uh, you were there I yeah the, I was in the Arsenal end. I should have brought that up earlier because he scored mental. yeah he scored he Four certainly scored one good. he scored two because he scored two. I, I, I re-watched that game so often Mm. Um, which is sad, isn't it? A League Cup game, the fourth round. Of but I mean, it was being 4-0 down. It was incredible, yeah. Yeah. Like, that moment was ruined of us scoring the equaliser by the fucking ref. Because Walcott scored, it went over the line. And then uh, he wasn't going to give it, but Jenkinson followed up and put it in. But it was already over the line, so it was a bit weird. But um, yeah, we still went mental. Fell down about seven rows. <laughs> um, and fucking Reading fans as well. Wait shows lot. Um... <laughs> So, that's Shamak. Um, the next one, my honourable mention, is... Do you, I don't know if you'll know this one. Um, Thomas Delavecchius, who we signed for one million in around 99, I think. Mm. And he played three times off the bench. And that was it. So, absolutely no, right. You're right, I can't. And, I don't know who that is. If I'm honest. Yeah. And then Cabadioara, do you know him? He 15 appearances. We signed him to replace Anelka for two and a half million and was terrible. Mm. Um, so let's move on to the actual front three. Yep. Um Javinho. How can we forget the open goal miss at Bradford? That was that was the crowning glory. We that was after the Reading game, in fact, that we've just been talking about. The next round was Arsenal in a quarter-final of the League Cup, away at Bradford, League Two, League Two Bradford, um, and yeah, Javinho missed an open goal. We went out on penalties that night. Uh, the hair, obviously, everyone talks about the curtains, mm. um, but also he was touted in the early Twitter days as the player that made Eden Hazard look good. I mean, whoever said that has certainly bitten them on the arse. I, I forgot this, that he was sent off on his Premier League debut for slapping oh, yeah. Jerry Barton. <laughs> that's, yeah. But that, that, that's like fantastic, isn't it? I mean, that is... Yeah, mate, well, <laughs> that's true. But the, the, the thing with Javinho, again, it's, it's just about the reputation preceding you, isn't it? He mm. was touted to be a difference maker and he came in after we'd sold Van Persie. So... It, he needed to be good and mm. he was a load of shite. And that the minute Van Persie goes is when the real decline kind of sets in, I think, doesn't it? I mean, um, Trevino, he went on to have a pretty decent career after leaving Arsenal, like over 70 appearances for Roma. Um, and then he went yeah, to China for a, a couple of years. Not, I mean, I mean, not, not loads, I think maybe 20. I, I mean, is that how our fall, our far Arsenal have fallen that is considered a decent career? you leave Arsenal and go to Roma and score about uh, four goals? 
I know, but I suppose I, I suppose I look at it probably and look. <laughs> I look at it in comparison to probably maybe. Kind of, I mean, if we look at comparison to Alberto Mendes, you know how that yeah. fall. Like he, he, it, maybe it was a, a lesser fall than perhaps. But with, yeah, but Jovino did still start for Arsenal up until he left, didn't he? Mm, yeah, I think. So. Yeah, he did. He's um, he's currently playing for um, Palmer, I think now in Italy. What Jovino is? I believe so. Yeah, I might have to. Yeah. Or Palermo, one of the two. He's back in Italy anyway. Um, anyway, what, one of your yeah. Well, if you're at final choice, oh, no, if you're you've got two yeah, choices man. left. So I'll go the left wing, um, Park Chu Young, or left forward, whatever you want to call it. Um, um, what the hell? What was that signing about? It was all about mm. shirt sales. That's the myth, isn't it? That's what everyone says. The shirt sales. I think Wenger even regretted it because we we were terrible that season. And we needed, we clearly would have needed goals, and we wouldn't even bring him on. So mm. I think he played in a couple of League Cup games. He scored. He, oh, do you know what's funny? I listened back to our radio show that we used to do at uni. Yeah. I listened back to one, and it was after Arsenal played Bolton in the League Cup, and it was probably his debut. And yeah. he scored Park Chuyang. And I came on the show and said that he predicted that he was going to be. You know, Arsenal's future star. <laughs> and scoring against star. And then after that moment, he never scored again. And no. basically never even played again. And was terrible. So, you can't really listen to anything I've said in this whole podcast. The curse, the curse of the commentator. There was an interesting thing. He, he, was, he was midway through a medical at Lille at the time. Um, and then I think got a call from Wenger and just left his hotel room without telling Lille. It was kind of this oh, odd, little, odd little thing, and then he just kind of made his way to London. And there was also quite, a, quite an interesting quote about him that Telegraph reporter um, John Dwerden compared the Park move to Arsenal as the worst call to answer since Colin Farrell picked up a New York public phone in the film Phone Booth and endured a few hours of misery. Which <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, he, he's now, he's 34 and he's back at um, FC Seoul where he started his career. So he's boomerang back to South Korea. Nice. Um, well, good luck to him. But yeah, terrible for us. Yeah. And the final one is the fox in the box himself. Um, I, I remember that phrase being t- like, um, handed about all the time when we first signed France, Francis Jeffers. Mm. Like I remember going about because obviously my family Arsenal fans. Like, like when we signed him, my uncle like, yeah, we signed the fox in the box, the fox in the box. Why? Why? Why do we care about this <laughs> low level? I feel like now it would have been like a low level signing, but I guess it probably was like a fairly significant amount of money. It was about seven and a half million. Um, but he did. One thing uh, in his favour, he came on in the 2003 FA, uh, the Community Shield final, and then got se- he came on as a sub and then got sent off. Which <laughs> <laughs> At least go out on that high, which is great. Um, and then scouts. I think what well, he played for Sheffield Wednesday. And, yeah, uh, I mean he he I think he was because he was quite prolific. I mean prolific's really being kind. Maybe the season before I, I think Arsenal signed him. But then he just he just had problems with injuries, um, and I think again, like you know, similar to maybe our point with Shamak earlier, it's kind of it's a different expectation when you go to a club like Arsenal. From no disrespect to Everton, but certainly at that 
maybe at that era anyway, yeah. you know, yeah, and to be playing alongside those, some of those players, it, it just never worked. If I think about what Arsenal represents, and in my lifetime anyway, because not, clearly not George Graham, but the Wenger years, what he brought was just this certain style and class and, you know, we represent a, a certain way. And Francis Jeffers fits that in no way whatsoever. He is like the kind of less talented, but probably works hard. Um, you know, even the idea of a fox in the box for Arsene Wenger is ridiculous. Like, mm. every Arsene striker's got to have a bit of panache and yeah. play, be able to play with their back to goal and all of that. And so, it's not a surprise. Wenger probably thought, I'm going to try something new here and see if, you know, if it works, if it pays off. It didn't. And for that reason, mm. he probably never tried it again until I think he tried to sign Jamie Vardy when that mm. was yeah, yeah, and a good, good quiz question though with Francis Jeffers. He's one of only six England players to have scored on his only appearance for England. So a hundred percent goals oh, to appearance what, ratio was Dave for England. Nugent? Yeah, yeah, correct. Thanks for joining. Anyway, mate. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Some good memories, some funny stories, some shocking players. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're you're quite active with your own sort of music uh, podcasts, and and obviously the uh, nightclub oh, night that you follow. Yeah, where, where can uh, where can people find you on maybe Twitter or Instagram if they want to sort of follow what you're up to? Um, we are Mad Sounds London at Mad Sounds London on Twitter on Instagram. We're at those mad sounds, and obviously you can find our podcast on Apple and Spotify. Um, just type in the Mad Sounds podcast. I will say that if your podcast gets bigger than ours, then I will be retracting permission from myself to be on this podcast. Um, uh, I'm not, if you're listening to this now, obviously that doesn't really work because obviously you hear my voice. But anyway, um, I will be pulling it soon. And I aim. I aim to get more than five listeners, so maybe I'll have to retract. Oh, <laughs> there it is. Little burn. I'll, I'll, I'll set them up. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, but um, yeah, yeah well, tell us about Mad Sounds. Like, yeah, who who have you got lined up maybe in the near future to to come on the show, or anyone uh, you can <laughs> exclusively reveal for the Call Yourself a Fan podcast? No, we, we can't. can't. <laughs> we've had a few. We've just had Sean Walsh, so listen to that one. But I'll tell you what, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to assume some people have not listened before. Listen to the John Dawkins episode mm. because he's the manager of, um, he was the manager of the enemies, the manager of Tom Grennan. His, his company managed like the Liberties, Loyal Karna, um, and he's got so many great stories. So it's a really good episode. And also Joe Carnell from Milburn, even if you don't know Milburn, very connected to the Monkeys. There's lots of great stories in that about growing up mm. around with them and obviously just the scene in Sheffield. So those are the, those are the ones I recommend. Yeah, great. Just a quote from John Dawkins, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Someone just asked him, he was kind of talking, someone is like, um, where are you from? Cov. And they just go, where the fuck's Cov? <laughs> <laughs> he just says it in a way, which is fantastic. But um, yeah. anyway, I, I'll close out, but That's you can, <laughs> exactly, you can follow us on Twitter. Um, at yourself pod um, feel free to get in touch with us on there and give us a follow we'll be found on all your usual podcasting places um, any football related stories welcome as well we've got an email address call yourself a fan podcast at gmail.com next week we'll be joined by my good friend will gain he's a season ticket holder at crystal palace we'll be discussing cheerleaders mm-hmm. ultras um, and eagles um, so believe believe me you don't want to miss that one but um, thanks again matt for joining us 